Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. What do you see or where do you feel you want Joy, Joy Division to end or go to? Just want to, to carry on the way we are, I think. Just, um, basically, we, we want to to play and enjoy what we like playing. I think when we stop doing that, I think, well, that'll be time to, to pack it in. Episode 62, Top 5 Joy Division Songs, We've Lost Control Again. Welcome to episode number 62 of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. We are very glad that you're here joining the O3L community. I am Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the Rockter, the Professor, the Professor of Music. Brett Fargo. The list keeps on going. Yeah, well, you keep on getting credentialed. It keeps working out. Submit your fake nicknames, please. <laughs> Could do that on Facebook. And of course, <laughs> the ambassador of love, Bueno, he's still off this week. So we have a very special guest who agreed. I don't know. Did we have pictures? How did Mark Klein from Love Tractor decide to do this again? I'll do anything out of love. Oh, <laughs> if you were going to end it, I'll do anything. I was like, see, that's how it happened. But out of love, thank you so much. But I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think one of my personal favorite O3L episodes was the show with Love Tractor. And I think a lot of people agreed with that. I mean, I really felt like we had a kinship with you guys. Totally. You know, it was really rewarding for us to have people come to us and say, wow, you know, I became a Love Tractor fan because they were on your show. And we also appreciate the people from the love tractor audience came over and hopefully, you know, stuck with us. I mean, of course, love tractor yeah. fans outnumber O3L listeners by about a gazillion, but uh, <laughs> it, it's still, it's an incredible honor. So we had a blast. What better guest host this week than uh, somebody who played with three quarters of joy division on tour. So that's true. There you go. And then also thank you for the t-shirt. Awesome. You guys sent me a t-shirt and I got the little button. I'm wearing mine right now. I was wearing my Three Lads t-shirt this morning, in fact. I went out for a long walk and then um, I I was told I smelled, so I had to take it off. (laughs) (laughs) It was me, not the (laughs) t-shirt. It wouldn't be the first time we heard that. And I have my gorilla shirt on, so I don't know. Your gorilla shirt, nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. I can take that. I can dig So that. we're all wearing band shirts. Awesome. All right. Yes. Well, this week, kind of a serious subject that we're going to take up, but it's going to be a lot of fun because we all love the band Joy Division. And Tuesday, May 18th today is the 41st anniversary of Ian Curtis taking his own life, which is a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to really make sure to get the message out there that everybody is needed. There is no way that there's anybody out there that we're better off without you. And I think that something like Joy Division is a perfect example of that. I mean, I don't know what was going through Ian's head at the day that he did this, but um, the artist made some great music. 
And uh, gosh, it's sad what happened, but hopefully we can all learn something from it. And I know that the art that he made, we still enjoy every single day. I guess, Mark, when did you first discover Joy Division's music? Uh, Really early on. um, I was aware of their first album. What happened was I just started noticing the T-shirts. And some friends of mine had their first EP, which I think was under Warsaw, mm-hmm. which to me was sort of like juvenilia for them. It really wasn't their mature work. I really didn't consider them to be Joy Division until Steven joined the band on drums because yeah. he added such a significant sound. Um, but where I really fell in love with them was their final album, Closer. Oddly enough, in 1980, I was upstate New York at the B-52's house. They had a big house on, a la- on Lake Mayapak. Closer had come out. And we, were, we had it on the turntable there nonstop. It, it's shattering the record. It just shatters everything. Emotionally, it hits so many different points. For, for a musician, for a listener, for anyone that writes lyrics, um, it's, a, it's heavy. It's heavy duty. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, it was it, it was love at first sight for me. So, as a Joy Division fan, and then later being on the road with New Order, was it tough to not geek out about Joy Division? Um, it, it kind of geeked out a little bit. I mean, I was thinking, you know, we were on the road, and then I was looking. I was like, wait a minute, this is two thirds of Joy Division. But you know, knowing the guys personally, they're so unlike the music. You know, they're serious musicians and they do what they take very seriously, but they're really fun, nice, great guys. You know, we had a lot of fun with them. But in hindsight, especially, I sort of geek out about it. But at the time, I wasn't so geeked out about it because it was just, I was in the thick of it. Another day at the office. Yeah. It was. You're absolutely (laughs) right. It was another day at the office, but, you know, Barney and... And Hookie and Steve and Jillian are, you know, they're really nice people. We kind of had a mutual admiration society going. Music nerd, would you rather for both of you guys? Joy Division or New Order? Oh, come on. It's not fair. It's not fair. Um, Well, I have to be honest that I first learned of New Order first, and that led me to Joy Division. I'm going to have to go with New Order. Sorry if that upsets anybody. But I'm going to have to go with New Order on that question. New Order is two stages. You know, there's... The early New Order and then the the later New Order. And they're really kind of different. I mean, I think once Barney was sort of involved in electronic, he came back to New Order Mm -hmm. with a different sensibility. Uh, When you look at Movement, the first New Order album, it's a continuation really of Martin Hannett and Joy Division sort of sound. Yeah. It's evolved. I mean, the fact that, you know, their first single was Ceremony, Mm-hmm. which had been written by Ian Curtis, was sort of the last Joy Division song, but it was the first New Order song. Yep. Good kind of used uh, it as that bridge. Yep. Yeah, you know. and it's an excellent song. It's actually one that I was thinking, like, God, you know, does it really fit into this top five list? Because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite New Order songs. Yeah, mine too. I guess we'll see, won't we? Yes. But I would have accepted that, though, Mr. Klein. I would have let that. (laughs) Now, Brett, I don't know. He may may give you the "Eh," because it was technically New Order, but you never know. Maybe. Ian wrote the lyrics. He did. Unknown pleasures or closer? I'm going to go with closer. Closer. 
I think I would too. Okay, Ginger or Marianne? Marianne, (laughs) hands down. (laughs) Easy. That's not even any thought. Lovey Howe. (laughs) (laughs) Just always have to be different, don't you? That's right. We got to write a song, Gray Pubes. And... uh, (laughs) Hey, kids are kids are dying their hair gray now. So hey, oh, you never geez. know. That's right. Yeah. I liked the howls. The the howls uh, were cool, definitely. And you know, and I like the Drysdales. The Drysdales, on Beverly Hills. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, let's see, Don Drysdale. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And I was at the mall yesterday, and to let you know, the Gilligan hats are in. If you go to H and M or Tilly's, everybody's got the sailor hat, but got, it's like Gilligan. I was like, hey, Skipper, and my son was like. <laughs> What are you doing? I guess mm. embarrassing you. <laughs> but And everyone's just like going, well, so what does that mean? See, I wore one at one time and I called it the Ian Brown hat. Yeah. But really, I mean, it was what it was. It was a Gilligan hat. Yeah, well, I mean, who am I really fooling? But I bet you look cool, though. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> that stuff to me is like the golden age of television. Those shows are f- crazier than anything that's on TV now. They're wackier. I mean, especially those Paul Henning productions of yeah. of Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, and Petticoat Junction. They're, you know, they're just they're insane. One of our old road managers' brother was a, or is a television screenwriter, and he worked with some of the people that wrote those shows. Oh wow! And they said the subtext of Green Acres was that Oliver Douglas was on acid. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the unknown subtext of the whole thing. Well, those shows are still on TV because if you have watched me TV, I watch a lot of grit, which is like the cowboy yeah. movies from long yeah. ago. And I watch a lot of the me TV where they have Gilligan's Island. They have, you know, sometimes the riflemen, the all monkeys. those shows, the monkeys. Yeah. I, I tend to find myself on that going, wow, you are old, but I watch them anyways. <laughs> yeah. Monkeys though. What a great band. They were. Should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But they're going on tour. They're going to be in Phoenix. I want to say September. And it's going to be their farewell tour this time around. They were supposed to be out last year. Who's left? Uh, Mickey and Mike. That's it. Wow. Peter died in 2017. And I want to say 2012, 2013. 2012, I think Davey and then Peter Torque was. uh, 2017 or 2019. 2019. Yeah, it's been recent. Time flies. And then yeah. other great news is that Kraftwerk has finally mm-hmm. is going to be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. You yes. Know, a great influence on Joy Division. Definitely. Kraftwerk. Finally. And I guess uh, finally, before we get started with our list, anything new and exciting in the Love Tractor came? Well, I'm in the midst right now, this very minute. Of um, putting assembling the re-release of our 18, 1989 release themes from Venus. Yes, all the cover art, all of the um, tracks have been sent to be remastered the first week of June. So I need to book a ticket to Athens to remaster, and hopefully, with modern technology, we can get a much broader brighter sound on that record because it was a very dense record right. and I, we were never very happy with the original master of it. Yeah. 
and it's going to be a gatefold for vinyl um, with lots of lyrics, art, pictures, all the usual extras, all brand new art, tons of photos that have never been seen from the period, lyric sheets with fans have been asking for for years. So um, there's going to be lyrics for all the songs that are the vocal songs. that's what's happening in that camp and we're looking at a fall release i can't wait well i've told you that that's my favorite love tractor album so i will be clawing my way to be first in line to get that one we have tons of outtakes different mixes brendan o'brien did mixes on the record who's famous for pearl jam yeah um so we're sort of in the process now of deciding like what outtakes and alternate mixes and whatnot are going to be on it so it's one of my favorite Love Tractor records. I'm excited. Beautiful. Awesome. We are too. So you're ready. So our list of the top five Joy Division songs, that's what we're going to be uh, discussing this week. So episode 62, here we go. Well, kicking off my list is uh, could easily be number one or here at number five, but you know, Level Terrace Apart would end up on my list. Everyone could have already seen that from a million miles away. It really is Joy Division's most recognizable record. That really still stands the test of time for me. I mean, it's really probably likely the most real love song ever. Um, I just love it. You know, I mean, it brings people to the Joy Division party back in 1980, but also today. the foundation of Lovell Terrace Apart is Peter Hook's hypnotic bass line, which everyone knows that is like the foundation for every song for me. Uh, so it has me at hello. When I first heard that song, I loved it. So it's kicking off my list of my favorite top five Joy Division songs is Love Will Tear Us Apart. So I figured just get that one out of the way. <laughs> Why not? What an intelligent wow. pick, Greg. All right. I figured someone would have it with me. <laughs> All right, Mark, what's your number five? My number five is disorder and you know that's really the opener to their first album and to me the first track on a band's first album is where they put the flag in the sand and you know where it's martin hannett's sound which you know the band was famous for not liking martin hannett's mixes but eventually came around to later saying you know he invented this sound i've been waiting for The first track that's on an album is setting the tone and the mood and whatnot for the record. I always thought Disorder rocked and um, has really killer sounds in it. And Martin Hannett is introducing because he kind of was the the another member of the band as much as like hooky 
never liked those mixes or complained about the mixes when those records came out. He came to like them, he and Barney. And no one else had ever heard records mixed that way or produced that way. I'm down with Disorder. All right, good pick. That too may be an intelligent pick. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think you'd go wrong with any song. You yeah. really can't. Well, I, I just think it's so hard to define Joy Division with just five songs. Yeah. I mean, they were so, I mean, gosh, there's just so many great songs. It's really hard to pick. It's it's like you got to tell some of your children that they're ugly on on this list. But, <laughs> Which I just know. happened to do. No, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did so, not. Sorry. So it's kind of hard. All right. Well, my number five song is The Eternal, which is the penultimate <gasps> track on 1980s Closer. Closer is a brilliant album. We just had our Would You Rather game, but it's a tough album to listen to, right? Because its release exactly two months after Ian Curtis's death added extra gravity to the songs, and you can't help but to hear the lyrics as somewhat of an epitaph. You never really expected anything sunny or uplifting from Joy Division, but Closer makes it clear that Curtis was in a dark and troubled state of mind at the time. The Eternal was a song that honestly didn't grab me when I first got the album. For someone who largely gravitates towards three-minute pop songs, this song's over six minutes, and I found it at the time to be overly long and a little languid. It just kind of ended up getting lost amongst some of the peppier numbers, I guess if you can call them peppy, like Isolation, <laughs> Colony, and Heart and Soul. But over the years, I started paying more attention to the track and got drawn in for the same exact reasons. It is long and languid, but it gives the song time to simmer its hypnotic, chilly atmosphere, all washed in shades of gray. That actually kind of remind me uh, a lot of what The Cure would do a year later on the Faith album. The opening lyrics in the wake of Ian's death are absolutely goosebump-inducing, almost like he was witnessing his own funeral. Procession moves on, the shouting is over, Praise to the glory of loved ones now gone. I've read that the song was inspired by a mentally disabled boy from Ian Curtis's neighborhood who was never able to leave his front yard, and the remaining verses certainly seem to point to that. It appears to be written from his perspective as he watches this procession go by, the world going by without him, and there's really nothing he can do about it. Trying to cry out in the heat of the moment, but no words could explain and no actions could determine. He's destined to accept, like a curse, an unlucky deal. It's just a gorgeous, moving, very dark song. And that's my number five, The Eternal. Good one. Great choice. Thank you. Well, Bueno, he put his list on our Facebook page, he which did. you can do too. And at number five, Disorder. So he would have had the same pick as you. He has excellent taste. He wow. sure does. He does have excellent taste. <laughs> well, coming in at number four for me is a really song that showcases Joy Division's gothic rock chops. Now, Shadow Play, another really impactful song for me. Um, Barney Sumner. Maybe I could say that now too, since, you know, Mark knows him, but Bernard Sumner. Yeah. Uh, I love the chord changes at the end of this song. They just blow me away. Um, this song is really ahead of its time. And, and this is where I probably, you know, Ian Curtis, when he sang, he sang what he meant. He meant what he sang. And in this song, you hear it 
And uh, I just, this song, it reminds me so much of Sisters of Mercy, which is a band that I love. You can really hear the goth, at least I can. But I just think that number four for me is Shadow Play. I just love this song, and uh, it was hard for me to put it at number four, but that's how I felt when I was making my list. So there you go. Uh, well, that's a, another great song. My number four, I have to go with Brett here, The Eternal. Wow. Look at that. When you look at the album cover, which that, that sepulcher, that it's so prescient what ian was writing basically was his requiem um and the song describes to me emotionally when i look at that cover also ian's vocals are somehow they have a sense of being very laid bare and honest and open just the way he presents his vocals on that song it's long it's a dirge in a way, but it is prescient. They never put out lyric sheets, and he made a point of saying that the lyrics were, you know, whatever you think the lyrics can be. And after his death, uh, I think Barney and Hooky and Steven sat down and said, oh my God, he was telling us the whole time. They thought he was writing, you know, like in the second person, but he was writing in the first person. So to me, the Eternal is prescient for his death. And it matches the, the cover, everything about it. Peter Saville's cover. Um, it's a beautiful song. Just shockingly naked vocals that he opens up with. Just, it smothers me. So, number four for me, The Eternal. Excellent. And again, an intelligent pick. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, guess what, guys? My what? number four song is Get the Buzzers Out, Ceremony. Uh, no, I, 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 I say go for it. You're, right. you're, yes, you're the buzzer. Well, remember, it was on a Joy Division album. So, I pick it because it represents what could have been the next great Joy Division single. It was New Order's first single. Martin Hannett was producing. So I like to think of that as being a continuation of Joy Division, only with, I'll call him Barney now too, with Barney <laughs> yeah. taking lead vocal duties. We're all friends now. Okay, so there are three known Joy Division versions of this song in existence. So you do have the live version from the Still album, so it was officially on a Canon Joy Division album, recorded at their last concert on May 2nd, 1980. There's also a bootleg version from the soundcheck of that same show, and then there is a rough studio version from May 14th, of course, four days before Ian Curtis's suicide that appeared on the 1997 Heart and Soul box set. None of these three versions are musically perfect or capture Curtis's voice very well. In fact, his vocals are inaudible through the first verse on the still version and the studio take 
on the 1997 box set is so distorted that you really can't make out the words. For that matter, neither could the rest of the band. When it came time for New Order to record their version, Barney had to boost the frequencies of Ian's voice in an attempt to transcribe the lyrics as best as he could. So who knows really if all of the words on the New Order song are the same as Ian Curtis intended. We don't know. But even in its imperfections, you recognize that it is a near-perfect song. One that could have been released as Joy Division's triumphant follow-up single to Love Will Tear Us Apart and possibly could have pushed their career to new heights. It's one of Joy Division's best melodies, Hookie's greatest bass lines, Sumner's guitar glistens, and Stephen Morse's drums propelled the song with an energetic snap. As it stands, it represents the bittersweet final gasp of the band as they were and serves as a bridge to the band that they would become. So that's my number four, Ceremony. Buzz me if you want. Thank you. I love it. Yes, <laughs> I say go for it. All right. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, it's so so perfect. I'm so down with that. We are taking a look at our top five Joy Division songs here this week on the Only Three Lads podcast. And we have a special guest, Mark Klein from Love Tractor. And I just wanted to say for number four, can you guys guess Bueno's pick? Isolation. Bueno. Love will tear us apart. No, Mark, it was Inner Zone, just like yours. Uh, Inner Zone. <laughs> Except Mark didn't pick Inner Zone as number oh, four. No. no, he picked the... My the, no, eternal. the eternal. The eternal. Okay, I'm sorry. I got the IN mixed up. I apologize. Oh, boy. It happens. It happens. Uh, Especially since it's eternal, Greg. It's not oh. internal. Oh, well, there you go. That's a the, double fail, Greg. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. What are, we love you anyway. What are we going to do? I'm going to go and snort some coffee, so stick around. We'll be back with our number three and our number two of our top five Joy Division songs here on the Only Three Lads podcast. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Army Welford from Love Tractor, and you're listening to Only Three Lads podcast. In the words of Uncle Greg, the world would not be better without you, ever. I know we live in a scary time, but we also live in the most exciting time. Your story is not over. We all need to keep writing our story. What would you do if you weren't afraid? If you or someone you love is going through a tough time, please know you're not alone. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is there for you at 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. Brought to you with love by Only Three Lads. We are back on the Only Three Lads podcast. Now, don't forget, get to our Facebook page. Go there, hit like, hit notifications. Brett, he does a bang-up job. Every week, every Tuesday, these I episodes think. come out. Uh, he does the graphics. He's like the, he. you are the backbone. You are the moral compass of this show. I'm the idiot savant. I know you're a savant, but just get there. You can give your list of your top five favorite Joy Division songs and uh, also just build the community because it's community that will help save all of us from horrible things like what happened on this day 41 years ago. That's right. I, I was friends with Chester Bennington. I will never forget the morning when I, Mark, I don't know if you know this, but I am a radio news guy. 
and I was anchoring and the board up says to me, I'm sorry about your friend. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you haven't heard oh, Chester wow. Bennington was just found. Uh, he committed suicide. And I was like, huh? Now my very good friend and him, Sean Dowdell, who was on the show in gray days, he, he, he came on and was a guest for us a couple months ago. I thought of him right away because they were like brothers and I'll never forget that day. So if you think that life will be better without you, if you're gone, you're wrong. It makes it yeah. much harder. So please get help if you need it. There's the suicide hotlines, but it's just not worth it. And, um, you know, like every day I come home cause I have to just hear horrible things, report horrible things. And it's music that pulls me out of it. That's why this community means so much to me. Don't be afraid to reach out to your friends. There's always somebody there that you can talk to. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're at our number three Joy Division songs. I guess my next one, really, it's so well written, and the music just exemplifies the tone of the song perfectly. And this song is often overlooked, but I really enjoy it. It's Passover, and I think that it's a song that uh, helps people who can't describe how they feel to put it in words. And um, the song is depressing but somehow it could just cheer you up it's shocking it's powerful and i can't tell you how many times i felt uh like it, this is the crisis i knew had to come like when i hear that i'm like yup i can't tell you how many times i've felt that in my life but this song is just great um it kind of gives you like this bruised peace when you hear it because i guess you don't feel alone but that's why passover comes in at number three for my top five joy division songs This is a crisis I knew had to come Destroying the foul inside cats Doubting, unsettling and turning around Wondering what will come next Is this a role that you That's an excellent choice. I have to say, you know, when I look at their albums, I've never dissected them to the point of pulling the songs apart because I look at each album as a complete work and a complete statement and sort of doing this exercise has made me really kind of look at it in a different way my number three is what i consider sort of one of their pop songs and it's sort of hints at where they're going to be going next um, with new order and it's isolation again off of closer even though the title's isolation it's sort of the most up-sounding, if I can say that, up-sounding song on the album. I've always been drawn to it. So that is my number three. Good choice. So synthesizers, they're relatively perky. They are. You know, it has that little break in it with the odd synths. And, you know, they always took something and made it different. Early on, they were signed to RCA. And RCA wanted them to add, I think, be more au courant and add more synthesizers. Kind of... Depeche Mode, like, like or, new wave or something, yeah. which, which they really pushed against, and which is odd because eventually, you know, when they became New Order, 
they really reinvigorated dance music as a synth pop band with Blue Monday. And when they also, I think, when Joy Division did add any sort of synthetics or keyboards in, they're really tasteful. They waver a bit. They seem to be not as purposeful as one would expect from like The Cure or some of the other post-punk bands. Well, it adds color, adds texture. It does. It's color and texture. Well, guess what? My number what? three Uh-oh. Joy Division song is the first track off the first album, Disorder. There we go. Yes. Bravo. Another crossover. So first of all, this is the track that's most likely to make me break out into an awkward Ian Curtis dance. So there's that. Like Ceremony, the song showcases everything that was great about Joy Division. It kicks off with Morris's steady, almost motoric dance beat, the drum sound that launched a thousand post-punk bands, then enter Joy Division's most distinctive musical feature, which is Peter Hook's high-up-the-neck melodic bass, followed by Bernard Sumner's guitar line that's capable of conveying so much emotion with relatively few notes, and then Ian Curtis's deadpan baritone intoning only as he can, I've been waiting for a guy to come and take me by the hand. Best Ian Curtis I'll do for right now. And let's not forget how important producer Martin Hannett again was to Joy Division sound, the Manchester sound, and Factory Records as a whole. His production was the perfect complement to Joy Division's music, even though, as Mark stated, the band hated it at first. Hannett is a master of creating space in music, like nobody really had in the pop music space, and then shapes that space so that it creates this hollow, claustrophobic effect. It was groundbreaking and obviously highly influential on post-punk music, crafting paranoia, angst, and depression into something utterly beautiful. Whether the titular disorder is in reference to Curtis's epilepsy, his depression, or whatever it is, he's obviously searching for something to connect him with the pleasures of the normal man. He's got the spirit, but has lost the feeling. Heartbreaking words truly for a 21-year-old kid to be singing when he should have had a life of promise ahead of him. But musically, it's so cathartic that by the time he starts shouting, feeling, 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 towards the end of the song, you're grateful that he had this platform of artistic expression and that we were able to occupy this planet with him for precious but too few years. And that's my number three disorder. Nice one. It is a nice one. You know, I, I'd like to say that Martin Hannett was like the psychedelic version of a Phil Spector. Yeah. You can't say uh, the freak version of Phil Spector. No, you can't. <laughs> no, Phil Spector has that market cornered. Had. Rest in peace, Phil. He, he, he had that cornered, but, but there was something, you know, this wall of sound. You know, Phil Spector created this type of production that really influenced an entire generation. And then Martin Hannett came along and created this other sense of space that no one was before that. Everyone was close mic'd. Uh, you know, studio sessions, you close mic everything. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't use room sounds, anything like that. And Martin came in and 
tore it all apart. He ripped up the script and rewrote it. Okay, and just to let you guys know, Bueno's oh, number three. Buenos, yes. Isolation, hey. along with Mark that time. And I didn't screw uh. up the letters. I could read. Yay! <laughs> You're making progress, Kurt. Yeah, look at that. All right. I've got my glasses on today. So. <laughs> well, number two on my list for my favorite Joy Division songs. It's one with the driving bass line, so I'm drawn right to it. And I could see when the band was in the studio recording the song Transmission, thinking, God, maybe we need a drum machine. Well, Stephen Morris said, hold my beer. That guy is a human drum machine. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, the song is dark and longing. And, you know, Curtis Wales dance, dance, dance on the radio. I mean, I just, uh, gosh, it's just a great song, and I just can't get enough of it. Uh, in an interview, Peter Hook, he wrote that, uh, you know, the song, they wrote it on a weekend, and they played it at a gig on a Thursday. And they, he said when they played Transmission, everyone stopped what they were doing, turned around and watched the band. And he said it made the hair on his arms stand up and it sent shivers down his spine. And it was the first time that he noticed anything different with that band. Transmission number two this week for me for my favorite Joy Division song. That's a good one. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, Peter Hook. So have you ever had a moment like that? You know, like you're just playing your songs, but then there was that one gig, that one time, that one song, that one crowd that, you know, it just kind of like just blew you away because you feed off their energy and they feed off yours. Yeah. Everything locks into place. There have been a few of those. And it just, when it happens, it's absolute magic because as a musician you're really only as good as your audience mm -hmm. they give you so much and if they're giving you a lot there's a lot you want to give back but you know you're the one with the ball first and you have to lob it out into them and hopefully you've given them a good ball you know opening song hopefully your sound is together and you can pull them in and then they give right back to you moving into my number two is something I think is also kind of something that points to the future for these guys and where they would have gone and where they ended up going with New Order is a song called Means to an End. It's really a four-on-the-floor disco song. It's also the closest, one of the closest things they have to kind of a pop song. But interestingly enough is it breaks down where it's just vocals, Steven's drums, and Hookie's bass. And it leaves all of these great holes in the song. It's something that always grabs me, and it always reminds me that that Joy Division could never really be Joy Division without Stephen Morris. It could have been another drummer with that band, and it wouldn't have worked. I mean, they were all key, but there was something about Stephen Morris's drumming where he wrote these specific patterns 
for specific parts that other people weren't doing. I mean, you know, at the time you could look at Fleetwood Mac with, you know, great rhythm section, but it's, you know, straight playing. And the means to an end is where you get Stephen Morris with four, four on the floor and who ended up doing tons. He and Barney did all the programming for New Order. And you kind of get a taste of it on that song. So that's my number two. Excellent. Love Made this. me hungry for that song. I got to go yeah. listen to it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's wow. a great track. I love the way you described it. You have a way with words, Mark. He's an artist. I try. <laughs> I try. I try. He's got that craft. Economy of words. Get it he out does. there. Wow. Yeah. Like, I never even thought of that. Wow. You know, Mark, you were talking about everything clicking on stage. My most hopeful stage experience is always that, you know, people don't throw things at me. (laughs) Well, I've had that experience, too. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah. There have been some bad shows in the past. But, you know, (laughs) you're booked by the wrong promoter with the wrong audience and the wrong expectations. And you go on stage and you do your job and you get the hell out of there. (laughs) I usually make up for it by being a complete goon. All right. Well, my number two Joy Division song is the track that NME voted as its number one greatest goth tracks and was also the last released during Ian Curtis's lifetime on March 18th, 1980, exactly two months before his death. Truth in advertising, because it's arguably the most beautiful and ethereal of all Joy Division tracks, Atmosphere. Set against atmospheric synthesizers, almost tribal drumming, and yet another iconic hooky bass line, the song is a lush masterpiece that, at least to me, plays like a cry for help about the constant push and pull of depression. Walk in silence. Don't walk away in silence. Sounds contradictory at first, but it's not really. Sometimes all we want is someone to be there with us and for us, even in silence, which can be even more powerful and comforting than words themselves. Walk in silence by my side, but don't leave me. Don't walk away in silence. Accounts from those who knew Ian Curtis, as is common with many who suffer inside, was that he wasn't always this depressed and morbidly death-obsessed individual. As Ian sang on Atmosphere's B-side Dead Souls, there was a duel of personalities that stretched all true realities. There was also Ian Curtis who did the things that most young men in bands do. Drink, fight, chase girls, laugh, joke, smoke, play pranks. It's a confusing illusion, as the song says, worn like a mask of self-hate, confronts and then dies. Sometimes you lose sight of or don't even really know who the real you is. I think it's a common internal battle for ambiverts. I know myself included. Atmosphere, though, is profound and gorgeous. It's safe to say that Ian Curtis was never one to mask his feelings, but there's a vulnerability on display here that makes it one of the most affecting and effective Joy Division songs. And it's my number two. Good pick. Thank you. And great description of the song. Thank you. Really great description. It is the only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music. This week, of course, with it being the 41st anniversary of 
Ian Curtis's death on May 18th, today, Tuesday. We are looking down and we're counting down all of our favorite songs from them. Don't forget the Only Three Lads podcast on a bunch of platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. So make sure, tell your friends, get more people to the party. We appreciate it. And get to Facebook. You can always like our page, but don't forget to go over and help Mark and go and like the Love Tractor Facebook page. They got music coming out this fall. Yeah. Don't want to miss that. Can't wait. Can't and yes, we can't wait either. I'm excited about it. You know, I really like hanging out with you, Mark. I really do. Like, just like, you know, Brett was <laughs> saying the first time it felt like we were your roadies and we were just kind of <laughs> in there and telling those stories. And like, you have a lot of great stories of a lot of the bands that we showcase here on O3L. So it's a lot of fun hanging out with you. So thanks. Yeah. And speaking of which, if, if you ever need us as roadies, we yeah. are available for hire. Listen, you're honorary love tractor roadies already. Hey, all right. All right. So you can print up T-shirts that say "Love Tractor Roadie." Sweet. Yeah. All right. We're all hey. in. Yeah. Watch. He's he's joking, <laughs> but we're going to show up. I'm Woo! not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. Stick around. Our number one Joy Division songs coming up after this. You think compared to the Banshees, and even more often the Doors. And what do you think of comparisons like that? I don't agree with them really. I mean, it's pointless making comparisons really because you, you tend to get tied down to one particular type of sound. And I think it's a lot e- easier for, for like the music papers to do something like that. If you like to get your boxed in, they can say, well, this group belongs to this category and this group belongs to this category. But I'd like to, to think that we don't belong to any category, you know, that the music we play cuts across different things i think you know we never have any intention of saying oh we want to sound like this or we want to sound like that it's just what comes out congratulations to the 2021 inductees to the rock and roll hall of fame they are the go-go's tina turner carol king todd rundgren and foo fighters also included for their early influence craft work Charlie Padden and Gil Scott Heron, and for musical excellence, LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes. On a sadder note, we say farewell to Bay City Rollers frontman Les McEwen, who passed away on April 20th at the age of 65. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y nights will not be the same without you, Les. Welcome back. It's episode 62 of the Only Three Lads podcast. I am Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the Rockter, Brett Vargo. Hello. Playing and the part of Bueno this week is Mark Klein of Love Tractor. He's our special guest. <laughs> Howdy. Oh, that's a role of a lifetime, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I forgot to give Bueno's number two. You yes. ready for that one? Yes. yes. She's Lost Control was his number two. Has she? Well, huh. hopefully. Yes. That's what Bueno keeps hoping for. <laughs> when she meets Bueno, she loses control. one way or another so mark uh you were on tour with new order when you think of that tour what's the first thing that pops into your head i can't tell you so (laughs) it's it's just between us no one's gonna hear it come on you can tell us okay well then the second thing what's the most suitable for podcast listening yeah example (sighs) You, you know what really pops into my head was we had such a great time and a lot there was a lot of partying done on that tour and i think i said in the last podcast was they had the benefit of 
they could do two types of shows. One was completely electronic sequence show or come out and play guitar, bass, and drums with uh, Jillian on keyboards, um, you know, filling in. And so what, what always got me was if we part- had partied really hard the night before, we still had to come out and do our show as we did it, but <laughs> they had the choice of switching it up. So if they were hungover, they could just come out and hit play on the sequencer and all the electronics songs, all you know, from Blue Monday to Bizarre Love Triangle, all of those songs would play. And they didn't have to do much work whatsoever. <laughs> and the crowd still goes wild. Yeah, the crowd would go wild, but if they were well rested, they, you know, would come out and do a set of a lot of guitar, um, heavy duty singing and, you know, really work, work it in both ways worked, but I was a little jealous of that. You had to get a sequencer. <laughs> yes, we did. We ended up getting one. <laughs> the We're waiting for the love tractor synth pop album. Now I write with sequencers and then translate everything back down into guitar. We have demos that I just came across. Um, that was, from a shelved album. It's all electronic. It's, you know, heavy duty. John Poe from Guadalcanal Diary programmed all the drums, um, was playing uh, synth bass on these demos. Arms and I were playing guitars and leaving Mike just to focus on vocals because we would come off of tour and would not have a lot of time. And while we were on tour, I could sit there and sequence stuff that we were like jamming on. And then we'd have to sort of deconstruct it and um, turn these electronic songs <laughs> back into a guitar song. Wow. I'm sold. Will those ever see the light of day? They actually will. There are five of them that we've selected. But again, I've got to go and deconstruct them. There's one that we're dying to cut. It's a song called Television. Well, it is now. I don't know if Mike's changed the lyrics because when we cut these you know we'd always cut scratch lyrics mm-hmm. you know if mike had you know some of the lyrics written we'd kick those down some of the vocal melody we'd get that down and then we would move on quickly um to whatever we had next and a lot of things were in pieces you know if we just had a piece of something you know a, a verse and a chorus of a song we would make sure we get that down on tape so we had it. So when it came down, you know, time to record, we had, we could go through everything. We did a song on uh, This Ain't No Outer Spaceship called Outside with Ma, mm-hmm. and which was a completely sequent song. Um, the record company, we had finished the album and they said, we need one more track. We had this song that just really wasn't working. And I remember we went, took a weekend off and went to the mountains to Mike, Mike's parents had a place up in the mountains of North Carolina. And we took our acoustic guitars and some other stuff. And I, you know, I said, well, why don't we just use a drum machine on this and make that the focus and layer all these acoustic guitars. And that's what we ended up doing. And it's how you write, you know, it's a means to an end. Absolutely. Yeah, Mark, I've been trying to write songs, but the way how I do it is I kind of like uh, 
I kind of get like the title first and I work from there. I don't know how you write a song. I'd love to hear because um, I'm always trying to write songs, but of course mine suck. Yours are good. That's why you were like, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like kind of like things just like, I. it's like one of those things I always wanted to do. So I'm trying. Um, but like, that's what works for me is that I get like a title and then I go from there. Something that we learned in art school and Love Tracker, we all went to art school together was that, especially in painting class, one stroke begets the next stroke. So whatever stroke you make on a painting, let's say, it dictates the next stroke. And it's the same thing in writing a song. So, you know, I might have a two chord progression with a sound that I like, and it begets maybe or influences the other guitar player. Like I'm working on a song right now that's that has this sort of pulsing thing to it. And it's dictating that it doesn't need drums. Armstead was up in New York. He's actually filming. The people that made Downton Abbey are making a new TV show called The Gilded Age, which Armstead will be in. Armstead, Love Tractor's basis. He is in that. So he's been upstate New York and in Connecticut filming that. And so when he's at time, he's come by the house here in, in Queens. And um, I say, I've got a little something. Let me play this for you. You know, and I pull it out. I usually pull it out on a keyboard because it's faster. And then, you know, he sits there and taps out a melody, you know, and we capture it on uh, iPhone and that's enough. But it one thing dictates the next. So if it's a lyric, you know, if it's a lyric or it's a title, what's next? You know, what's the next line? And then I always often think, uh, you know, don't always try and rhyme, but try and do the syllables, that whole thing. It's an art, great. Yeah. It's I a look craft. forward to hearing the fruits of your labor. <laughs> no, you don't. That's right. <laughs> I wrote a song one time and Brett was like, well, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> Remember that song, Brett? <laughs> it was, yeah. I intended to uh, put some music to it, oh. too, but well, one haven't day. gotten around to it yet. One day. All right. You guys ready for our number one Joy Division songs? Let's do it. Yes. All right. Well, the one that tops my list for the band's top five songs is one of Trent Reznor's favorite also. Dead Souls, of course, the B-side to Atmosphere. Just a chilling song uh, to me. You know, it, when I listen to it, I think, was it an internal or external force that was pushing against Ian Curtis at the time? And plus, I also think, um, you know, name another artist that can make Conquistador work in a song. I love this song. Purple Harem. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, Dead sorry. Souls. Were you asking? Oh, no. Well, which one? Who? Huh? What? You, well, you answered that question. Name one artist. Conquistador. Yeah. By Procol Harum. Okay, well, there you go. Okay, name another one. Mm. Uh, I'm out. We got Joy Division. Okay, you're out. Well, you did do it. See, that's why you are the professor of music, the rocker. Thank you. Red Fargo's ladies. The rocker. The rocker. Yeah. But Dead Souls, it just hits my feelers differently every time that I hear it. That's why I picked it as my number one Joy Division song. Excellent. And Nine Inch Nails did a cover of that, right? I think they did. Yeah. It was for the Crow soundtrack. You know, you forget that Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails have been around 
for a very, very long time. 89 is when their first album came out, I believe. I'm digging Trent Reznor's soundtrack work. You know, what he did for Watchmen, was, I thought was great. Well, my number one syncs up with the rockster there. And I have to go with Atmosphere. Yes. It is a melodic dirge. It's haunting. It becomes symphonic. Ian was basically writing his funeral march. In hindsight, when you look at that song, what he talks about, worn like a mask of self-hate, confronts, then dies. Don't walk away. It's a chilling, chilling song. It's beautiful. And again, like I say, it becomes, I don't know when that video was made for it, but the video, it's, it's such an odd video. They either look like dwarf clansmen or you know, one of the Spanish um, uh, religious fraternities with the, those hats. But, so that's my number one, and I'm sticking to it. There you All go. All right. Another crossover. That will hold up in court. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like we're all kind of pushing towards this end of their career before, right before Ian's death, that they were really getting to a certain place. They were. Sadly, cut short. Yeah. You know, I had some earlier tracks. Like, I do love Warsaw. I think that's a great song. Yeah. It's, it's totally different in their catalog. I love digital. I mean, some of the early singles are really good. I agree. I'm going to be Captain Obvious or Professor Obvious here because there's a reason why Love Will Tear Us Apart is the most well-known Joy Division song to the casual music fan because first and foremost, it is a perfect pop single. Three and a half minutes with a driving rhythm and memorable chorus slash synth melody. It's Joy Division crystallized into arguably their finest moment, capturing darkness, anger, fear, frustration, and sadness in a song that also sounds incredibly beautiful and honest. It's a poignant and relatable message to everyone at some point, even in the happiest of relationships. There are sure to be moments of resentment, bitterness, and feeling like you're heading down a different path in life. Trapped in a mundane existence where routine bites hard and ambitions are low. The hardest thing in the world to accept is when something so good just can't function anymore. It's real, and in that sense of reality, continues to build Joy Division's appeal across musical boundaries and generations. Well, of course, you know, that does not apply to my marriage, by the way, wife, if you're listening. <laughs> oh. Oh. Speaking of which, though, the musical project that my wife and I did together in the late 90s, which we called Genuine Imposters, we covered Love Will Tear Us Apart. And if I have time, maybe I'll even pull it out. I'm sure it's incredibly musically inept, but uh, might be fun to dust off. So anyway, that's my number one, Love Will Tear Us Apart. That's excellent. Intelligent yeah. pick. It is an intelligent pick. It's, and it's also probably their most covered song. Definitely. Which says a lot. It's the one that's going to continue to bring new fans in. I agree, absolutely. That's what yeah. I said with mine, too. Um, Transmission. That was Bueno's number one. Yes. Number one. Oh. So, so you guys ready to go down our list? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, at number five for me, which, uh, of course, Brett had just picked, Love Will Tear Us Apart. At number four, Shadow Play. At number three, 
I had picked Passover, number two song, Transmission, and number one Joy Division song for me, Dead Souls. Great selection. Well, for me, number my number five was Disorder. My number four, The Eternal. Number three, Isolation. Number two, A Means to an End. And my number one, Atmosphere. Ooh, what a list. All right, my number yeah. five was number five, The Eternal. Number four, Ceremony. Number three, Disorder. Number two, Atmosphere. And number one, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Great list. Yeah. I have homework. Yes. Nice job, guys. Bravo. Whew. I think I came in third, though, but I really like both your lists. You came in third? Yeah, I think I did. I don't nah. know. There's not a bad list. There's yeah. not. No such thing. There's not. So All right. It's, it's, it was hard work, actually, trying to figure out which one. And, and as I was saying, pull these apart, because I always think of these albums as a complete work. Yeah. Atrocity Exhibition. I mean, it's... It's a great song. It's not for everybody. It's wild, but it's great. <laughs> That's right. And please remember the reason why we did this episode of the top five Joy Division songs was just to tell you we love you, you're loved, and uh, you're not alone. And this is the great thing about the community of music is that uh, we can all come together no matter who we are. And so please, if you know somebody, uh, reach out to them who's maybe sad. I know there's a lot of anxiety right now because of the pandemic, and there's even more anxiety now that it's, things are starting to open up. Um, things are going to be different, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be worse. This is what I do. I always think my best days are ahead. Ian Curtis, just think of the art that he could have made if he was still yeah. with us. He'd be, what, 63, 64 now? Uh, he said pretty intelligent, poignant things at 20 years old and 21 years old. So could you imagine as he yeah. got older... What he would he say. would be turning 65. I believe he was born in July of 1956. Okay. So he'd be turning 65 soon. Look at that. He could have retired. Hard to believe. I wish we could have seen it though. Yeah. You know, he could have been the, the next Le Leonard Cohen. Exactly. Could have. Well, Mark, Man. thank you once again for filling in for Bueno. We appreciate it. You know, those are big shoes to fill. They are. He's a big guy. <laughs> He's probably like a size 13. Yeah. I would say bigger. Isn't he like 6'5 or something like that? <laughs> He's a tall guy. He's a tall guy. Basketball Lanky player. basketball player. He's a yeah. jolly green giant. Not short and stumpy like us. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you guys need to say before we get out of here? Well, I just want to say again, Mark, thank you for appearing. You are welcome here anytime. My pleasure. And we appreciate you allowing us to you know, show up one day and be your roadie. You know, you're going to get that call. Anytime you guys need me, I'm glad to jump on. You might get that call, too, from your security guards when it's like, oh, there's three weird guys here to see you. <laughs> that wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> People used to come in Athens and knock on our doors and ask to use the restroom. Oh, geez. You know? Oh, yeah. Lots of crazy stories like that. So. Yeah. The life of a rock star. Yeah. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Go knock on a neighbor's door and ask to use their bathroom. That's good advice. See how that works for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for getting one step closer to the unknown pleasures of O3L, just to give you a tie-in. And Bueno's going to be back soon. But until then, I'm going to say it for you all. Be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. 
for the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.